It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday A podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass My name is Scott Williams, my co-host is Jeff, always ready, trailer Hey Jeff (laughs) Hey Scott, always ready by the time we hit record That's right, you doing alright? I'm doing great. Yeah. Scott, I, this is the second to- podcast we've done this week, mm-hmm. but different pod. Usually we record like the same podcast over yeah. and over, but I had fun with another one though. Yeah. So we guest hosted, uh, the Catholic sprouts podcast. It's mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't, doesn't listen or hasn't, it's a podcast for kids, for Catholic kids where they have different guests on each week to talk about a topic, five minute podcasts, daily releases, uh, and we got to do one that'll come out October 17th, the week of October 17th, I think. So mm-hmm. That's the day we close in our house. Oh. So I got something to listen to. That's just, well, for five minutes. There's nothing better than listen to yourself on a podcast. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> it is wonderful. Um, yeah, but this is fun. We're, we're back to our, back in the swing of our own thing. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about St. Therese for Catholic Sprouts, but speaking, I'm glad to be with you. Speaking of the little way, someone that I know lives his life just like St. Therese. Father Peter Marshall, how are you today? You are the worst. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I did not know. You like St. Therese. I, I do know like St. Therese, yeah. What do you like about her? Uh, I like that she somehow managed to be a saint and pretty feisty. Yeah. Yeah. She's a funny kid. She's a cheeky. Cheeky yeah, she young is, woman. Yeah. Um, all right. Two-minute drill? Two-minute drill. We ready? I'm so ready. Oh, good. 28th Sunday, 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, we're still chugging along in Ordinary Time. Uh, our first reading comes from Second Kings. Uh, so we have this guy, Naaman, not Naaman. Naaman. That's it. Now I sound like I'm Jamaican. Naaman. You from Jamaica? Naaman. I'm Naaman. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he goes down uh, as... Elisha, 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 has to, I'm killing it today. Elisha has told him to go down and plunge himself in the Jordan because he had leprosy. And he does seven times. He plunges himself in the Jordan River. And when he comes out, um, he's queen of leprosy. In fact, it says he has the flesh of a little child, which sounds weird and a little serial killer-ish unless you put it in context. Yep. But, um, but somebody asked him, do you have leprosy? He said, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad for our listeners. I didn't this realize just this was like going. the Island Boys podcast. <laughs> nah, man, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, he goes back to Elisha, Elisha, and says, just "Pick one." <laughs> he goes to one of them, and he uh, he says, "I I'm so thankful. Here's a gift. I want to give you this gift." And he's in Elisha, Elisha says, no, I won't accept it. Uh, my gift is 
in, in the beauty that the Lord gives us. And, and the only thing, uh, that I will, or the only thing I ask is that you have that belief. And so Naman says, that's fine. Then I will praise no other gods. I will worship no other gods. I will offer no other sacrifice to any other gods, but to the Lord. Response to our Psalm this week, the Lord has revealed to the, to the nations, his saving power. Uh, we had a banger last week. Not this week. Not this no. week, though, I don't think. Um, second reading to Timothy. Timothy has just been catching it from Paul here for, like, months now. Mm. Like, he's just, Paul's just really letting him know and, and giving him these reminders. So, he says, he does call him beloved. Like, he really, is, he's very corrective, but he reminds him, uh, again, Christ is a descendant of David, and the word that he gives us is, is not chained. It is not locked up. It is for everyone. It's for everyone to, to share and be a part of. Um, and he tells him that to obtain the salvation and the eternal glory is the goal. That's what we're chosen for. That's what we're called to do. And that that is trustworthy. And then he gives him this beautiful poem where he just reminds him that if we've died with him, we'll live with him. If we persevere, then we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we're unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So. Do you think beloved is similar to like kind regards in an email? Warmest regards. Warmest regards. Yeah. Beloved. I'm really mad at you, but. Yeah. See, I, I didn't hear it as much as him being mad as just like, hey, like this is the correct thing. I'm encouraging you to, to hold on to what's correct. Like yeah, I just critique? feel like that's everything he tells Timothy. Well, yeah. Just over and over and right. over again. <laughs> it's just. And Timothy like is getting these letters all the time, and that's great. But he and I think Paul's in jail, maybe, and he's writing him these letters or something. I don't know, maybe. But either way, like t he knows. Yeah. Like Timothy knows. I just think it's funny that he just keeps get, catching it. And then our gospel reading, uh, the gospel comes from Luke seventeen eleven to nineteen. Mm. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been held, healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but the foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. All right. Father Peter, anything we need to correct? Can you no. tell me how to say those names? There's no way to know. I mean, There's I, no way to know. I grew up with Elisha, but okay. I hear a lot of Catholics pronounce it as Elisha. I often do it simply just to like distinguish. Because sometimes you talk Elijah. about Elijah and Elisha together. Right. And like, yeah. yeah. Then it just sounds like I can't pronounce my letters. You're very generous in that. Thank you. I am? Yeah. Oh. That's a nice way to do that. Oh, thanks. Or I just say it every pronunciation possible right. to cover <laughs> myself. You're very humble. Yaman. Yeah, um. <laughs> How about that name? I love that. Uh, I think it's Naaman. Naaman? Yeah. Okay. No. I was not close. Naaman. <laughs> no, that can't be right. Uh, Father Peter, what yes. are you preaching on this weekend? 
uh, I think, uh, so on the one hand, you have the miracle of God's healing, right? Uh, but the point, I think, of both, both the first reading and the second reading is in the face of God's miracles, what is our response? And it's striking that we have two readings on the same day in which the pagans are the exemplars of the disciples' response, right? Uh, Naaman is, is he a Syrian or Babylonian? Um, he's not um, Jewish. I, I don't know. I don't recognize the surname. And so. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> in fact, uh, I, he's of the conqueror of Israel. And so uh, that he would come to an Israeli prophet for a Jewish prophet for healing is extraordinary in itself. And in the second reading or in the gospel, we have the Samaritan who is the one who returns to give thanks and the chosen people take it for granted. And I think that's a, a, a conscience check for us of do we in the church today take for granted God's many, many miracles, the Eucharist, reconciliation, the fact that I'm alive and breathing today, that there's love in this world. Do we take it for granted or do we stop and go back to God and say, thank you for, for what you've done? I would say the former. We take it for granted. Right. All right. Dumb questions. Yeah. <laughs> what, do we, um, what do we do about it, though? Yeah, I, I do love the the accountability piece here. The, you know, being asked, there seems to be a nature of, like, being on, like, a recognition, especially in the gospel, of, like, un, ungratefulness, right? right? And, like, and I think in the second reading, we even see that if we deny him, he will deny us. Right. Which is, like which almost I had to reread it a couple times to see like, am I reading this right? Because I thought he would never deny it. Like he, but Jesus says the same thing here. I don't know. I kind of wonder in this moment in the, in the gospel, I wonder if like, did those other nine stay healed? Is right. there like a lesson to be learned? Like, I don't know. I, I like that recognition of kind of a, like we have, we also have to be grateful yeah. for the gifts we're given. Uh, right. They're not earned. No. They are given truly. And we saw that last week, I think in the readings that, right. um, that our good works don't earn us any sort of special treatment. In fact, like it, they, it's simply a gift that we're given or that we offer in return. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the, it's it's stewardship, right? We've been given these gifts and we return them to God first and foremost by having a heart that is grateful and uh, by recognizing it's a gift, it's not earned. But but where did we go wrong that we don't recognize that they're gifts anymore? I think in some respect, like... On the one hand, life is is always difficult. It, it always has an element of suffering to it. But we've had a long stretch where we're not persecuted for our beliefs and we don't have to defend our beliefs and that uh, we can just kind of coast through the practice of our faith um, and we, we 
we aren't kind of forced to recognize that these are extraordinary gifts. But, you know, I think after coming out of the COVID lockdown, a lot of people recognized you had 10, 12 weeks without the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. um, and that really rattled some folks that uh, they recognized how important that was to their everyday life. It's It was interesting to to also see there's kind of two different directions there. I think some people realized what was missing and other people realized I don't have to be here. Right. And, and took, take advantage of that. You mentioned suffering earlier. I want to come back to that briefly. Do you, is suffering required for sanctification? Uh, no, other than Christ's suffering. Okay. So his suffering was required yes. for our sanctification. Yes. But, yeah. Do but, I feel like suffering's glorified? Like, yes, this is... This I feel is, like in the Catholic faith, sometimes we... I mean, like, when we, we do suffer, there's nothing wrong with offering those sufferings and... Oh, absolutely. It, That's the right approach. But there's two heresies that come together here. One is the ancient ooh. heresy of Pelagianism, mm -hmm. which means that This I, is where I was hoping to get you. Right. <laughs> heresies. <laughs> I love a good heresy. Uh, <laughs> Pelagianism is all about, I have to, I have to earn my salvation. And mm -hmm. so I sanctify myself so I can present myself to God in a pure state. Jansenism is the glorification of suffering that says we, we find and invent and choose suffering for ourselves so that we are more holy and uh, there's actually like a style of crucifix that is heretical that Christ's arms are straight up instead of out to the side because the Jansenists believed that would be more painful for Christ. And so that meant his sacrifice was even better than the sacrifice mm -hmm. he actually made. So how's that tie into like the practices of ancient mortification where so, self-flagellation like, yeah. The church recognizes that we, we must choose to deny ourselves, which is why we have fasting, which is why we have other acts of sacrifice. But the church, in its authentic teaching, always cautions us about going beyond uh, self-discipline into self-abuse, mm. right? That... Um, it's good to say, I'm not going to eat meat on Friday. I'm going to be thoughtful about what I'm, what I'm eating. I'm going to choose something that maybe wouldn't be my first choice. But that's different from um, I need to wear uncomfortable clothes all the time, like a hair shirt or the whatever, uh, because of adding suffering to my life. And when a spiritual director would give permission for a suffering, it's because the directee has reached a point of spiritual maturity with the everyday suffering and so is ready to uh, enter more, more deeply into that. Because there's a danger in if you, if you push that suffering in the simplest of things, if you, if I remember working with high school kids 
talking to a kid one time who was kneeling in adoration and then and for an hour plus they were kneeling on a hard floor. They were very clearly in pain there. And they said that that's what their parents had taught them, like offer that up, offer that up. And we had a really deep discussion about like, so what were you focused on while you were in that pain? And they were like, how much in pain I was and when I could be right. done. And I was like, then we've totally lost right. the whole purpose here. Like Jesus doesn't need you to be in pain. He needs your eyes on him right. and your focus on That's all That's he right. desires. That's all he's seeking. And so be comfortable, be reverent, right. but be comfortable so that you can, you know, place your, your focus there. And so I think we, we run that risk of that, but then what you, the way you just explained that also offers on the extreme end, why we see saints who receive the stigmata right. and things like who, who they obviously have a spiritual maturity at a level of enough. We just celebrated Padre Pio's feast day. That, that maturity was very clearly with Padre Pio at a level enough where Christ saw that he could take this on right. and, and live this because that focus would be. And a good analogy would be a religious hermit. Mm-hmm. So you are never approved to be a hermit until you have inhabited community life to such a level that you can, that they want you to go. Away. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, that you're you're good enough at it that you can then go beyond community life. That's interesting. You can't just choose. Right. I'm going to be a hermit and then go. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that it? Dumb questions. I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks, Father. Yeah. It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right, dumb questions. Uh, I got two two things here, two total opposite directions. <laughs> all right. Um, we've already, t- as you pointed out beforehand, like I wasn't going to remember, we've already talked about what hymn you could eliminate, even though I do feel like with you we could ask you just to make a list, right. and just fire them off. But it's not no, that we, big. Well, yeah, oh, no, you said it two weeks ago. Yeah. It was Father Christian that did a whole mass setting. Yes. It was Father Peter who said, oh, I don't need a, a silent auction. I'm the pastor, and I have done this. Right. Here's the hymn I eliminated. Got it. I remember that now. <laughs> so anyway, okay, here's a question. And you, you brought something up earlier that made me think this. Where, as a church... Where do you shop for like furniture for the, the church, like the presider's chair and altar and Ambo and things like, and then if you need to like add a piece, like, I don't think there's like church Ikea. Is there like, well, how does this work? What happens? The, uh, that's actually a, a really good and kind of frustrating point. Uh, there are, there are good companies that specialize in church furniture. Um, uh, and in my experience, not affordable ones. But not affordable ones, ones but, but quality ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that, like, styles change. And so, as you said, like, if I decide to add another Ambo, I pretty much have to replace everything in the sanctuary uh, to match. Because it's like a matching set. Right. How many Ambos do you need? I, I don't need any more. I'm just saying like another, a better example might be another chair. Got yeah. It. So like right. you have two deacons now, right? So you add an extra deacon and all of a sudden you're like, well, I want them in matching chairs. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I think, uh, 
or we've greatly increased the number of servers that are showing up now on weekend masses, which is amazing and fantastic. I kind of need to add a couple more chairs, but I think I'm going to have to at least reupholster all the chairs in the sanctuary because of the fabric uh, that they ordered 25 years ago. Yeah. Which is fine fabric. I don't have any problem with it, but in order to kind of coordinate. And, and it's an overwhelming thing. I just was at my parish. We are the men's club once a year. We do what we call screwdriver Saturday, which is not what you all think. Right. It's not a drinking thing. Right. We go and crawl around the church and service and in pain and sacrifice. And we tighten Beautiful. up all the, all the kneelers and everything. And then we go drink screwdrivers. Right. College football. <laughs> but um, while we were doing this, I was looking at our furniture and like, it's got some age on it. The church is 25 right. years old now. And, and we're tightening everything up and trying to fix it. But I was like, man, overwhelming to think about what your cost is to like reupholster everything right. or to re like after so much. coming out of COVID and having our pews sanitized, mm -hmm. I need to get the pews refinished and it's, it's going to be over a hundred thousand dollars. Cool. I'll do it for 90. Just kidding. I don't know how to do it. Right. <laughs> I'm looking at Scott, no. thinking, "Can I?" He means him individually, <laughs> not his company. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'll finish all those up. Yeah. No, that's that's good. well a good weekend then for you to talk about stewardship. Yeah. There's yeah. This, you can just fire it. <laughs> we off just this wrapped weekend. up our stewardship renewal at St. Jude. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm also glad to hear there are extra servers because everyone knows that you need as much help as uh, possible. As much help as mm -hmm. I can get. Perfect. Two two deacons, twelve servers. Right. <laughs> You might be able to make it. All right. Second thing. Speaking yes. of deacons. Yes. Okay. I was uh, two weekends ago, last weekend. Yeah. Last weekend. I went to a baptism. Wonderful. I was talking to the, the parents of the child being baptized and leading up, we were talking about it and they said, oh yeah, the deacons doing the baptism. And I could sense like a little disappointment in their sure. voice, like the pastor wasn't going to be there. And I was telling them, no, this is like, I think it's great. Like, Deacons are limited in the sacraments they can celebrate. And like, this is one of their chief call, like the right. biggest things they're called to is baptism. And like, so this is a huge act for them, a huge thing. Like it's, it's really awesome, but it just leads to that conversation of like, how do we get, is this a like church wide thing around the world? United States wide is this local where like people think of deacons as kind of like the backup option versus like, and oftentimes a deacon could be and, and should be the primary celebrant right. of a, a funeral or a wedding or, you know, the, or a baptism or something like that. Not just to give the priest a, or the pastor a break, but right. because like that's there. Because it belongs to yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, I think partly, so the restoration of a permanent diaconate is a post Vatican II uh, thing in the church. Okay. And I, I am all in favor of it. In Indianapolis, the first class of permanent deacons was in 2008. Yeah, we were pretty late to the point. We were very late. We were one of the last dioceses in the country to ordain permanent deacons. Um, so I think there's still some... We were waiting to do daylight savings we, time first. Right. <laughs> we could figure out what time. Uh, so I think daylight there's Daylight savings still some, time, alcohol on Sundays, right. deacons. Got it. I think there's still some newness uh, to that for the, for us. I think also, though, the Catholic Church continues to struggle with giving to everybody in the church what is appropriate to them and saying, this is appropriate to, to you, and I need you to embrace this and do this 
um, rather than defaulting to father or sister uh, to do everything. And, um, you know, I think the laity still have a ways to go in embracing what is their rightful role and proper ownership of components of life in the church. And likewise with deacons, um, you know, I sometimes have heard that deacons are told that they are not, uh, primarily about the sacraments. And I'm like, well, but baptism, uh, weddings without a mass, standing there holding the chalice at the altar. Uh, I mean, you know, everything comes from their sacramental identity and goes out into various forms of outreach and charity. And so I think we still need to work on embracing um, what is appropriate and stop saying father, father needs to do this or this, I can't, I can't lead prayer. I'm going to call the priest to come in and lead prayer for the whatever. Well, deacons offering blessings is a perfect example. Perfect like example. Everyone, th- like people think of it as a lesser blessing right. of some sort. And that's crazy. What yeah. is the degree of the blessing? Uh, there is a blessing. They have like 70% of the, no. <laughs> I mean, it's the same blessing that it's the same blessing that the archbishop gives right. that the Pope gives. Right. Like mm. it's yeah. Anyway, go deacons. The Pope ones are better. See, <laughs> is this just so you can tell the story about how the Pope blessed uh, me one time? Oh, here we go. No, I, no, you, I, you're I, in the criteria and I do everything. Think, I do think that there's, uh, like similarly, I like seeing people change lines to get into the, the communion line that the priest is mm-hmm. offering. I don't know. It's like same Jesus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now priest, ordinary minister, or the ordinary minister. So like there is that, but. So there's a better deacon, right? So the Jesus coming ordinary ministers. Uh, yes. Of distribution. Yeah. Yeah. So the Jesus coming from the priest is better. No, but it is the ordinary form. Not the extraordinary. Just, uh, stirring the pot. Yes, you are. All right. Last question. This is one I saw on the internets the other day and I thought I found really interesting because I struggled with it. Lucky me. You talked about the laity. Yes. Define the laity, but don't say, you can't say they aren't or they can't or they're not or does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, that gets really tricky. Yeah. Uh, Got be- you did. Uh, I'm trying to. F- uh, the lady is everyone. That was the wrong button. I was trying to. Like, I haven't even given the answer yet. I was trying to find the waiting sound music. The lady is everyone who has been baptized into the Catholic Church. Everyone. I know. See? Can I say before? Before. Before a, holy order? a sacrament of holy orders? Pre holy orders. Pre holy orders. Got it. Okay. I just thought it was a really interesting. It is. And it, I was like, man, that's something we really should like dive into because we, all of us are members of the lady, but I don't think it's fair to just say the lady are the people who are not priests right. or religious. The, uh, what's the role of the lady that, that is most commonly unknown that we, that would build up the church better if more of the lady embraced this? evangelization. 
Lumen Gentium uh, is beautiful on the role of the laity and its work in sanctifying the world. Cool. Nailing it with Catholic socks. All right. That's a, a step in the right direction. Hey! Oh, there he is. <laughs> it's all right, because I'm a set for. It's all right, because I'm a set for. It's all right, because I'm a set for Sunday.